You are listening to Feeding the Mouth That Bites You with Ashley Parrish and Jessica Pfeiffer. A weekly podcast guide on parenting teens and launching them into the world. As always, we are joined by psychologist and author, Dr. Ken Wilgus. Hey everyone, and welcome back. On today's episode, we'll be discussing sibling rivalry. My name is Ashley Parrish. I'm your host. I'm joined by my co-host, Jessica Pfeiffer. Hey there. And Dr. Ken Wilgus. Hey, everybody. I feel like this episode needs some kind of like really dramatic music because (laughs) we're talking about sibling rivalry, Jessica. Yes, it is a constant problem. In fact, just prior to recording this episode, I had to monitor a discussion going on in my home. I'm going to call it a discussion. It was a little louder than that. Um, (laughs) So it's a constant part of my life. But even especially now, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Also, it's the beginning of a summer for us. Next week, my kids wrap up school. So we have a lot more time together than we're used to. Uh, We also have a lot more issues between siblings because we're together all the time. All the time. Yes. Right. And there's no release because we can't go hang out at friends' houses or go, you know, um, to the mall or go out to the park even. So it's a lot of togetherness, which um, I think we're all kind of over at this point. So, Dr. Ken, we need your help. (laughs) (laughs) When do we get involved? Because there are days that I'm almost like, may the best man win. Like, I'm just going to turn my back. <laughs> I'm stunned. I'm shocked. <laughs> my room. But I'm just kidding, kind of. But a lot of the days, this really bothers me. This really upsets me. So I want to know, when when do we get involved? At what point? Well, sibling rivalry is one of those issues that is obviously an issue at uh, all ages of your children. It's not just an adolescent thing. So... Uh, let me review quickly what parents should know about sibling rivalry at any age, and then let's try to talk about what's different about adolescence. One of the things that parents need to always keep in mind, uh, and I think it was James Dobson that said it best a long time ago, he said, you need to know that very often in sibling rivalry, the secret target of sibling rivalry is the parent. Uh, and what he meant by that is that very often siblings get loud in their conflict as a way of kind of pushing the button on the robot deputy parent that should Mm. then come in the room and say, hey, what's going on in here? Uh, And you have to do something about kind of defanging that kind of interaction. One of the ways that parents uh, realize that is that it can surprise parents uh, who have children who are at each other's throats seemingly all the time. But if for one reason or another, both parents are gone for a while, this obviously assumes that children are older, um, that these kids do not get at each other in the same way with their parents gone or with Mm -hmm. a babysitter there. That's not always true, but it's one of the ways you can find out uh, how much of this sibling rivalry is actually trying to activate a parent's involvement. That's a standard thing uh, that parents need to know, no matter what the age. And secondly, that then leads to a common practice for kids of any age, and that is you really need to be careful about what you choose to intervene with. It is one thing to teach your children uh, to give them feedback about how they should be with each other. We do not call people names. Uh, You do not hit your sister, obviously those kind of things. But it's not unusual to get to a point even before adolescence that 
I really don't want to hear – this will be the youngest of the two that are at, at, at odds with each other. I don't want to hear this younger kid come and tattle on everything that this older kid did, usually with the exception of something physical. And that's what I was laughing about with you, Ashley, that there, it's, you know, it may seem like there's just sometimes I think, you know, whatever, it may the best man, you know, win. <laughs> but there is wisdom to that in that um, it is important to discourage a children's expectation that if anything goes wrong with a sibling that I don't like, then I have this uh, adult that will want to know my perspective and will take up for me in all circumstances. Even early on, you want to usually realistically put some limits that you cannot count on me to jump in except for your safety. And that's that should be obvious to everybody. If you're at physical risk, intimidation, certainly actually being harmed, uh, pushed out, anything physical, then yeah, I want to know it. But he called me uh, something uh, well, I'm sure you've been called worse. Uh, you need to figure out how you're going to handle that. I didn't hear it. So that may be surprising to you, but those are two main things that no matter what age uh, children are, you need to keep in mind that, that you want to not be drawn into these uh, these th- conflicts that actually uh, parents can make it worse when they do that. But that's that even that part changes when they get to be adolescents. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there are boundaries for fighting. Can't yep. get physical. So you say these things. What happens? What are good consequences when that does happen? Well, I think that those go along with whatever their age is. So a younger child, certainly whatever consequences that you normally use, uh, time out, put in the room, things like that, withdrawing something that they like um, can be helpful. Uh, younger children, you can even uh, don't forget rewards. You go a whole day without me hearing any kind of squabbling and we're going to go get whatever. Uh, but that is different with teenagers because I think it's really important that uh, too often parents don't use adolescent motivation uh, with the power that it could have to actually help change the course of how this uh, interaction goes. So what that means is when you have an adolescent, especially an adolescent dealing with a child, so the older one is an adolescent and the younger one that they're picking on is a child, I think it's fine to intervene, obviously, for physical stuff. Uh, and a consequence is certainly in order. I told you, I'm sorry that uh, he, you know, took your stuff, but I told you again, if you smack him, uh, I'm taking your phone. So you, you give me your phone for a day. You cannot smack somebody. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But I think it's critically important also in how you communicate with a teenager that you really practice uh, being able to talk to them without being a one-on-one lecture, but a way of really talking to them adult to adult that really says more like, you know, I'm, I know you're mad about you losing your phone, and I know that your little brother can be kind of a stinker. I get that. But, dude, you're 14, and I, I guess I was, I'm was i surprised. Do you feel any different towards your brother now that you're an older, like a young adult? Does that seem anything different to you? Do, do, you re, do you ever notice how jealous he is of the time you have and the stuff you have? Things that really try to bring in and use their desire for adultness. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, we go back to our communication uh, podcasts. These won't be amazing, tearful back and forths, uh, but but I would suggest that you fairly regularly with the teenager one on one after these interactions really bring back to the expectation that now that you're a young adult, I thought you would be actually helping this sibling of yours and talk more freely about what is hard 
for this younger child and uh, expect if as much as you can some compassion for that so you hear the difference that's not just reminding them of where we have a rule you're not mm-hmm. supposed to do that that kind of discussion becomes weaker and weaker with teenagers because they already have heard this but what needs to be added is I'm a little surprised I know he's annoying but I, I'm a little surprised that you still go at him like you did even when you were eight and dude you're you're older now that mm-hmm. is a motivating uh, factor that too often parents don't think about when they have a teenager in the house Dr. Ken, what about the teen who criticizes and corrects their siblings constantly? <laughs> well, that's really hard to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, So there's a couple of directions with that. The one that you want to be careful with is the one who corrects and criticizes, but she, and it's often a she, is right. Like I kind of <laughs> secretly like what she's saying. This is a little deputy of ours. And so, yeah, you go in there and you really need to uh, shut that down. Uh, It's a significant problem in sibling relationships when one or more uh, children uh, carry the moniker of I've been deputized by my parents to monitor things. That makes it hard to like that kid. Um, But the general, uh, more than that, the one that just is never happy and always criticizing, especially if it's a kind of a strong personality teenager with a soft temperament child, that's just really hard to watch. You know, you're Mm -hmm. just being mean. You just make her feel terrible. Um, Again, what's tricky about that is that that kind of discussion is hard to rank as punishable. Uh, For example, if you curse at your or call names or even curse at your sibling, but I didn't hear it, I would not punish that. Uh, if there's reasonable evidence that you physically shoved or whatever a sibling and I wasn't there, I still probably going to intervene. Those are tough, by the way, because then you get I didn't he hit me. And it, so it's tricky enough. But when it comes to even things that are unacceptable, name calling, cursing, that's hard to hear that they did that with a child. But I wouldn't recommend that punishing is the best way to go because it still gets back to tattling. So similarly, when you have a kid that just seems critical all the time. Uh, she's not calling him names. He's not pushing him, but he's just I can tell he's always going after him. It's hard to deal with that in a disciplined way. That's more of a communication way. Mm-hmm. And then that kid I would take aside pretty regularly with what is going on with you? I mean, you, you're you're not happy at all. It comes out at your brother, all that kind of stuff. I would talk about it. Um, and at best, you can set some limits that you know, if you get into that, I'm not going to punish you, but I'm going to say you, you got to leave the family room. I, I, I'm just not going to sit here and listen to you uh, talk like that. It's not actually a punishment, but I, I just can't let you keep doing that. It, the point is to really be careful and not overuse a kind of disciplinary approach because mm-hmm. there's not a lot you can do about that. And what really comes at it beneath that is something deeper than just I told you talk nice to people. There's <laughs> There's something more at this like, dude, are you? Just mad at her all the time? What? What is it? And again, take some time, not an immediate thing, but I would keep pressing adult-to-adult communication about what is underneath all that kind of negativity and unhappiness. Mm-hmm. Well, you feel like you need to defend that child, and it upsets you. There's a lot of feelings for the parent that's, right. that's watching that's right. these two. You know, you feel that's bad right. for the kid that's just, you know, getting criticized and corrected. Um, by the older teenager and you get really upset at the older teenager because you're like, you know better. And, That's right. and nobody talked to you that way. 
you know, um, yeah. and it just really hurts that you're their older sibling. And, and that's what you're saying to this, you know, younger, innocent, you know, in that, in that situation, kid, you know, yeah, it's funny. It's funny you said that. Cause I remember exactly telling my oldest that, uh, when he was doing this, I, I remember saying to him, I don't know if it was a good idea or not, but I remember saying, you know, you used to do stuff like that, but you didn't have the advantage of a sibling right there to call you on it every right. time you did it. Right. So mm-hmm. you didn't have the fun time. I, Sarcasm yeah. is a real problem for me. Well, <laughs> you know, this reminds me of, didn't we just say this before we got on this, started recording? Uh, we said, you know, the hardest is when you have this child that you like, who's being really talked badly to by this other child that you used to like. And, <laughs> you know, that, that's what you're talking about. So I, I, yes. So I think the general pattern there, no matter what their age, but especially with one of them an adolescent, to also keep in mind this goal, you want to help develop your your children's relationships with each other outside of you. Mm-hmm. That is, you need to help them to establish uh, relationships and working things out without you there. And, and believe it or not, that can happen in good families where a parent continually intervenes. Tell me about what happened. Okay, I'll go to the other. Now, now, did you, what did you say to him? And they're doing this even into their late adolescence or, or even older. This is the the parent that calls adult children and says, well, you know, your sister told me that she was upset that you didn't invite her. This kind of thing Mm. always signals that your relationship as siblings must go through me as a parent. Mm -hmm. And that creates difficulty in basically growing your relationship. This is almost always what you hear about those terrible stories of a wealthy person who passes away and their kids are at each other's throat. That's virtually always because this parent in one way or another never encouraged their children to learn to have their own relationship outside of the parent's involvement or presence. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds exhausting. So how do we not do that? Well, I think it starts, it's a good, it's, you're right. Uh, ironically, I think the opposite is, is exhausting to, to always be calling and monitoring and, you know, mm-hmm. quoting what this adult sibling said to me and yeah, you need to know okay. that wears me out. But even to your question, Ashley, a, a younger child and an adolescent, when they're really, you want to just take up for that child, mm-hmm. um, pretty soon, a very, very young child is probably appropriate to do that. You know, five-year-old pretty tough to take up for themselves, but by, you know, by, nine, 10 years old, older childhood, you really want to start thinking about uh, encouraging that child in how are they going to deal with this older child? So you say, you know, take your 10 year old that says that, you know, my brother came in and called me a toot. And well, I'm, it's, we're going to keep this. Let's just say that. Well, <laughs> you're going to, you're going to really want to go in there and say, did you, did you say that? Did you, again, by this age, believe it or not, you really want to start taking in the goal of, wow, well, I'm pretty sure that's not the only time you've ever been called that. What did you say? And maybe advise them about what voice will they use in dealing with this mean sibling, uh, mm-hmm. which is not the same as you going in and being the protector of the uh, younger one. So mm-hmm. you want to actually begin to advise them uh, about what they could do and should do, because, again, you're going to be doing and involving yourself less and less and giving them the freedom to work this out. You know, this is all this conversation that we've had so far is assuming that your kid hasn't just opted out. But there are kids who just hold grudges 
and they literally disconnect or distance themselves from the family because of it. You know, I'm not going to put up with my siblings being mean. I'm just going to isolate in my room. I don't want to have to deal with them. What do you do when you have a situation like that where that one kid has just opted out? Well, that's a really good example because I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm this this in my experience when that gets that bad, that is almost always an indirect something about the parent. That is, there is one easy way to establish consistent resentment. I'll put it this way. When I talk to adults who have that in their family, very often that permanent resentment toward this sibling is actually something that was fed through. I don't like that sibling because of how they treat my mom or how my uh, dad always seemed to like her and didn't. There's a there's an indirect part of that relationship that is still flowing through their relationship with the parent. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So when you have a teenager that has sort of opted out, like he actually walks by and acts like I don't even know this person, whatever, um, I think it's it's really important to first really get at what is this? Uh, not just you're breaking our rule, we're supposed to like each other, but really, seriously, what are you so mad about? Uh, you you really seem to hate her. And that's worth really asking and ask, and seeking some words to explain what is that, because the content of it is important. It's not a general thing that just sometimes pops up. There's something there. And what you really want to be careful about is that you very often will hear a teenager telling you something they despise about this sibling that is actually they despise about the way you as a parent treat that sibling, the way that they interact with you. And you want to dispel that, that, look, that's between me and him. If you think I prefer him, then you need to talk to me about that. That's not his fault. If you think that he's being ugly to us and you don't like him because of the way he talks to us, dude, I'm a grown up. I can handle that myself. I don't need you to protect me. You, you know what I'm saying? Like whatever mm -hmm. you want to first discern, if there is a secondary resentment that they're having with the sibling that is because they still haven't established an adult to adult relationship and that isn't actually flowing through how they perceive themselves treated by acted toward by their parents. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. So also going along with that, what happens if you as a parent are being accused of going easier on one child, maybe the younger child, not <laughs> always. Certain personalities are just a right. little easier to get along with sometimes. But what happens? How do you how do you approach that situation and talk to your child about it? Kind of defend yourself. <laughs> it, it comes up a lot. And, and what you just said is exactly the thing. Uh, I'm always stunned at how often when teenagers who give their expert advice about how you as a parent are doing this wrong, you are <laughs> always letting him get away with or you've always preferred parents actually answer that. They actually defend themselves to a teenager. That is not true. Mm -hmm. I've known, you know, and, and I'm always like, whoa, 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 whoa. He doesn't know anything about anything. And you're actually mm -hmm. defending yourself. So, so the first thing I can tell you is that I have never had a parent defend themselves and a teenager say, oh, okay, you're right. Uh, ever. It's not that. <laughs> but number two, the general answer, I think for any of that is, wow. So you think I've never accomplished blah, blah with your brother. I've always, okay, well, I tell you what, when you finish raising your children, we should talk mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and we'll mm -hmm. see what you think. But until then, 
uh, I really don't care how you think I'm dealing with them. I'm always stunned that parents actually give that enough weight to the best answer is just to laugh. Just really. So you think I'm not doing, thank you for sharing. Really appreciate that. The point is it's an indirect way of complaining about something they feel uh, they don't like about how you're treating them. Mm-hmm. That I'll talk to you about. I, yes. I want to hear it. But don't put that in the form of some sort of parental judgment because, dude, I got to be honest, uh, I don't think you know anything. Mm-hmm. Okay, Dr. Ken, I don't want to white knuckle my way through this whole sibling rivalry with my kiddos. And I know there are so many other parents out there doing the same. So give us clear guidelines, some bullet points on what exactly is our role with this and what isn't, what's in our control and what's not. Okay. That's a great way to put it. So on top of what you should already be doing in dealing with sibling rivalry in children, and Mm -hmm. we're not going to go into that here, when you reach adolescence, when your children reach adolescence, you want to, number one, be extra careful about what you intervene with and what you don't. Mm -hmm. And that includes then begin to coach older children and especially teenagers in how they deal with each other Uh, rather than taking all of their unhappiness as your problem and you need to do something. You want to start practicing coaching them on how will they deal with their siblings. And then that leads to secondly, uh, that's part of what you do to help them to develop adult relationships. It's very important for adolescents to know that discomforts, disagreements, even um, incompatibilities with a sibling isn't primarily your parents' problem. Mm -hmm. It is their problem. And you can try to, again, if you're doing planned emancipation, if you're backing out of their lives, you should be having more and more communication freedom. And this would be a super important one that you help them to basically know how to get along without your intervention. And so that means you're so number one, you're extra careful in what you involve yourself in. But number two, you involve yourself in uh, deliberately signaling to them that you need to figure out how you're going to get along with this sibling of yours. And then number three, with a teenager that is the older one with younger children, you really want to start using the teenage or the adolescent drive for autonomy by really letting them know in an appropriate way that I expect more from you because you're older, again, not in a general way, but try to talk to them about ways for them to have more compassion for this younger sibling. Simply Mm -hmm. talking to them more about how this younger sibling is and what they need and how important your attention is and try to coach them in that. But again, being careful that this isn't something you can discipline them into doing. It's something you really wanna weigh heavily on your communication skills to try to encourage them from one adult to another. Mm -hmm. Man, this has been a great conversation. And there is a 100% chance that I will be using this information in the next hour with my kids. (laughs) (laughs) This is absolutely a part of every parent's life that has more than one child. Uh, There's no way to have children in the home that don't have disagreements and problems with each other, personality issues. So today has been great for me and I appreciate both of you weighing in. Ashley, thank you for the great questions. Dr. Ken, thank you as always for the great wisdom that you have given us and ways that we can work with our teens on their sibling relationships. 
thanks for joining us today. Hit the subscribe button so you won't miss an episode. Also, leave us a review. This is how other listeners find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Feeding the Mouth. We appreciate you and would love to hear from you. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas about what we've discussed today, please email us at podcast at feedingthemouth.com.